On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus and I are going to dive into the traits. We're going to go into the mind of the sports better and try to discover what are the traits that we know that make people a good sports better. And hopefully it will give you guys um, some interesting content to listen to as you're shutting your home. So with that, let's start the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to. The quarantine edition. I guess we've had a bunch of quarantine editions of the Bet the Process podcast where Rufus, um, so, so people think I hate you? It seems a little harsh. I don't know. Do you hate me? The people want to know. You think I hate you? I don't think so. No, I don't hate you. I love you. I just get frustrated when I think your, your, your thought process is lazy because I, I think that you don't normally have a lazy thought process in a lot of the things that we talk about. But I think that when you get lazy on some of your thought processes, it bothers me. And that's when I get mad at you. That's so, fair. Um, and, and, and I do appreciate that you call me out when you have a, you know, if you have a difference of opinion or if you think that I am being lazy on stuff, I appreciate you being direct with me on that. Yeah, no, I mean, even, you know, the, the, you know, we're not going to talk too much about COVID obviously this time because we did it ad nauseum, but I, I just, I just feel like you don't attack understanding that like the same way you attack understanding sports. And so you just have to be careful that your takes aren't lazy because when you don't research something as much as you research something else, you're not going to ever know as much about it. That's very true. Anyways. So what we wanted to talk about, um, this episode is the notion of what it takes to be a good gambler. And, you know, I, I sent you this note and I was like, what are the traits of a good gambler? And you started kind of riffing on different things. But I think even before we start this conversation, we need to find what a gambler is. And I think we're not talking necessarily about a gambler so much as we're talking about an advantage player of some sort, like someone who goes into this so i guess like it has to start because we're not talking about the same thing as like an investor right like a day trader an investor we're not talking about like a bitcoin miner or not a bitcoin yeah bitcoin trader whatever you call it although those are both those are both gamblers but that's not what we're talking about okay well maybe we are talking about that i mean maybe we are talking about i i think that the difference between well so I think one of the differences between gambling and investing, and um, I guess this is probably not true of all types of investing, but the binary aspect of gambling is one of the things I think that makes it unique, i.e. you win or you lose. Like if I buy a stock, right, I pretty much know, there's pretty much like a floor to how much I can lose, right? Like it can only go to zero. Yeah, but but there is spread betting, which I think points bet is the first operator in the U.S. to to sort of use to do. Okay, that. well but let's but, let's not. There, there's not go, there's betting not, where you can win or lose by fine, fine. So let, let's not let's not go to things that we don't know. Let's let's just stick with 
bets. Let's stick primarily with sports betting. Sports betting, I'd say poker advantage playing, such as blackjack, such as other table games, you know, slot hustling, all that kind of thing, right? So okay, let's so let's stick to anything that a a lay person would call betting or gambling. Okay. So a lay person would not call the stock market gambling or betting because they probably wouldn't think about it like that. They would think about it like investing. Because it's corporate and it's accepted. And gambling isn't as accepted. Let's not get into value judgments. We're just trying to like put the guardrails on this conversation. So Okay, we, we have our boundaries. Let's, let's do it this way. Number one trait that makes you a good better. Ooh. Do, we, do, we, do we have to like redrafting traits here? So my, my first round pick would be, God, it's sure, tough. As long as it's There's, what is it? Okay. Oh, man, I, I feel like I, I want the second pick because I have two really good. Okay, fine. My... But are, are we, so wait, also, are we talking about sort of like character qualities or are we t- rather than skills or are we including skills? For example, like coding is a skill that is very important, but I wouldn't call that a quality. So I was not thinking skills. I was thinking no, like. that's a skill. That's a, okay. I think it's something like that that's such a, that's something that you can just learn. I don't think is necessarily what I'm talking about. Okay, uh, I'll, I'll go with determination. <laughs> determination. Determination. So define is... determination in this context for me and give me an example of how determination has um, made you, give me a, a specific example of how determination has made you successful. Determination is wanting it. It is when you run into a roadblock, running through that roadblock. When you have an issue with the code and it's frustrating, you work through that and it, it's, it's work ethic essentially. It is, it is, um, getting things done in the face of obstacles and not so being no, deterred I, so by no, those obstacles. I, I think you're, I think you are conflating some different notions. I think when you say determination, you mean like it's almost like this competitiveness with the world where you're determined to basically beat something, to be able to beat a system and figure out how to beat it. Right? Is that is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. So give me an example of how determination has led to your success. Hold on. I got, I got distracted because it sounded like an airplane was starting and it turns out it's my computer fan kicking up. Um, give me an example of how determination has fed to your success. Um, I feel like I've outworked people. I think that's give me a specific example. Okay. I'll give you an example from this week. I'm dealing with, uh, I'm dealing with, this really awful data project basically trying to synchronize a bunch of data, different databases with golf players names and, and biographical information um, because every tour has different IDs for players and different naming conventions and all that. And, and also they spell the names of some golfers differently. They have, and, and they list the events differently. So I'm literally, I've been going through and basically trying to sync these databases. Um, and I tried um, doing it based on, position based, based on where a guy finished. So I basically merged on the tour that week. If it was like Korean tour or, you know, sunshine tour, Australasian, whatever the tour, the, and then round scores each, each round and basically, and then different permutations of, of, of possible strings in the names to try to see if it was the same guy. Um, and it turned out that way, like, and I did it like on a week by week level and it didn't, you know, it turned out there were a lot of issues and, and there were issues with, tours because um occasionally there's so it's almost wait, like, there's it's almost okay wait wait let me finish it but i, okay. I know it's a boring story but i'm gonna finish um because there's some events that literally are cross-listed with three different tours and so i literally 
so what I've been doing the last two days, Jeff, is I've gone through and basically just trying to make sure every, like, I, I can match the events properly. Like, I've, and it's been awful. And it's the kind of thing where I'm like, well, why do I even need to do this? This is going to result in a marginal improvement on things because, like, being able to assess the field quality of a Korean tour event um, isn't huge, but it does matter if I'm betting on a European tour event where there is a golfer that has been playing a few events on, you know, on maybe even the Japanese or Asian PGA tour who, and that guy played against guys on the Korean tour. So it doesn't. And so basically it's taking that approach to, to things and, and running through the roadblocks and hopefully I'll continue to run through it. And actually this will work out even though it's really frustrating at the moment. So I, f- I, figure- I think that's like my favorite quote. Now I know it's a boring story, but I want to tell it anyways. That's like that. You should have a t-shirt that says on the front, my, my name is Rufus. I'm a dog or whatever. And then on the back, it should say, I know my stories, they're boring, but I want to tell them anyways. So, um, okay. So I, I've always, we've always talked about this, how you really like to solve systems, right? Or solve problems. And you need to like to solve very messy problems. Right. And so that's like the kind of determination we're talking about. The, the, my thing that I would probably say for me is like this stubbornness, right? And I think that this stubbornness or this like, like, determ- like determination to sort of like, uh, you know, believe in a process and, you know, believe in all of the sort of like ideas of, you know, cognitive biases that like you b- believe in a process, you believe in large sample size, whatever. The idea of, of stubbornness is a very valuable um, quality. And I think what's interesting is when we were texting about stuff before, one of the things that you said is that like a sports better's best qualities are often the things that are, are lead to their demise too. And I think the well, stubbornness- wait, wait, Jeff, Jeff, I wasn't talking just about sports betters. I was talking about the people that are the most successful, the people that are, that are billionaires or hundred millionaires. Sure. I mean, but it's the same thing, right? Like it's, it's this idea that, you know, my stubbornness makes me a great advantage player. Like the context would be the classic blackjack, you know, lesson or blackjack story where I lost a hundred thousand dollars and two hands of blackjack, but had to sort of overcome that and believe in the process and be stubborn in terms of like, you know, like I often think about this in the world of sports betting when variants would lead you to go down a path where, you know, you can't win. Like you have days where you're like three and 13 on a day or two and 12, or you have two weeks of losing days. It's like, you have to have the stubbornness um, to keep going and to believe that you still have an advantage. But obviously like, because sports betting isn't like blackjack, meaning like it's non-stationary, there could be a point where you um, have lost your edge. And so you have to basically overcome that stubbornness. So it's like dogged persistence. Sure. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of words we can use for it. I'll, I'll let you go with the next pick then. Okay. Uh, I guess it's related. Resilience. I think resilience is huge, which is basically the ability to cope with losing and, and with bad stretches and to be extra motivated by that. So rather than giving up on, get, you know, if you have a really bad stretch, having that motivate you to work harder and being able to cope with it. Because if you can't cope with it, there are going to be bad stretches. And if you can't cope with that, this isn't right for you. And if you, if you, if you get on tilt, if you change your behavior, 
Like when I've had really let's, bad, let's the, take, the bad stretches one. that I really remember are the ones where I literally was like, I'm going to work so hard that this, to make sure this, like this never happens again, or there's no, there, there's, I do everything I can to prevent this happening again. So let, let's go. I mean, golf is like a very interesting one for you because you probably had a run of what three, four years where you were just making hand over fist in golf, right? Um, I would say it was longer than that. I had the run of like four or five years where I was making money hand over fist with second half betting before that market got a lot more efficient, but golf, it's been, you know, I guess it it is more efficient now, but it's been very good for me for a decade. Okay. But hasn't it, hasn't, haven't you had some recent losing streaks in golf? Oh yeah. Last, last fall, last late August through the end of October, early November. Yeah. That was, that was the worst stretch. Over six figures kind of stuff. Yeah, like mid six figures. Yeah. Mid to okay, high. so, Wasn't and that's good. without the, that's without the decimal points, right? Yeah. Okay, I so, think. yeah. <laughs> so, when that was happening, how much did you doubt your methods or doubt your edge, or did you never doubt your edge? So, it's an interesting question because it, I think part of it was we were, having a lot Is it more, more interesting than that story you told about I, mapping different people to different golfers and different I, I, I hope so and... I hope so I'll let you tell me afterwards but but the interesting thing was we actually like my business partner and I were betting more in that time period and we were doing a lot more we were able to get more down at the closing prices matching with people essentially so it, it was a little bit different in that regard and so it it did make us wonder, like, or, it, you know, do somebody do people have better information than us here? Um, a lot of it was round matchups too, where, you know, we weren't we were betting small we we're betting smaller edges than we used to bet for sure, because the market you know the the bigger edges just don't exist the way they used to. Um, but I have that's Jeff. To be honest, that's part of the reason I'm going through and doing this remedial thing because we struggled mostly. Most of that was on the European tour. And I, there are big data quality issues with the European tour. For, for example, he, here's the boring part of the story. It might have Rory McIlroy for an event um, for round one, averaging 170 yards of driving distance. And you're like, well, how is that possible? Did you just like hit a tree or something? And, and they only have a certain number of holes they use is the driving distance holes. But he, um, if, if you, on one of those, somehow they didn't get a number for his drive, they recorded as a zero which, and you don't even know how many there are. So that, that creates some huge issues. So basically, there's, you know, so I'm going through and I'm basically trying to audit everything and make sure that the process is great at every, at every spot and try to eliminate any errors in the data set because there are errors in the data. Um, okay, so we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put basically all three of our answers into the same bucket. And that bucket is just generally like this determination, like stubbornness, resilience. It's like, you can kind of lump them all together. But I do think you have to be able to self-assess and, and you can't, no, but that's, like, you want to be stubborn self, in one self, way, self, but you self, don't self, want to be self, stubborn. Rufus, Rufus, stop for a second. Okay. That's a different trait now, right? So we're yeah. talking on, on the first traits, we created this whole idea of like resilience, blah, blah, blah. The second one is actually like almost being able to like, like take a step away and like self-evaluate and, you know, like be able to like actually like under, you know, like be able to just passionately look at yourself. 
right? Which is like a very important skill in, in life, I think, right? Like, um, you know, I got into it with, what's that? Self-awareness. Yeah. Self, self-awareness. <laughs> That's the term I wanted. Self-awareness is, is incredible, right? It is an incredible quality. Do you think that you're a very self-aware person? You know, I, I don't know because I'm not, I don't know how self-aware other people are. I think I'm a lot more self-aware. <laughs> Have you, you know ever I mean? heard the You've ever heard the thing that people, everyone always thinks that they're more self-aware than someone else? It's just like everybody thinks they're a better driver than average and hell, everybody, yeah. 80% of people think they're above average. So I do think I'm, I'm, I, I do think I'm more self-aware than average. I'm going to, I'll go with that. Yeah. So I, I think self-awareness and I think um, self-awareness is really interesting because I think those betters are the people that I have like struggled with in this, um, in this world are those people that like, and I'll, I'll, I'll expand upon this self-awareness thing. It's the people that take themselves too seriously, right? That don't have an ability to like kind of make fun of themselves and kind of don't like, you know, like one of the reasons that I like Preston so much, right. Is Preston is like a real dude that like he constantly makes fun of himself when he loses, you know, and you know, he, he has like enough inner confidence in what he's doing, but yet has enough, um, um, what's the word I want here? I mean, he, he, he just has enough self-awareness and like he, he's able to look at it look at his own thing and self self-efficing. Yeah. Yeah. Hubris, right. Hubris kind of thing. Um, anyways, he doesn't so, have hubris, right? Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah the the idea of like not having hubris kind like of not having a not having an ego yeah because i i mean you have it's like you have to have some ego to believe that you're right but you also have to have like an understanding that you know and it's actually like very interesting right because if you read seth Byrne, um tweets like one of the things that he's constantly harping on like touts or anyone who's out there and i'm not talking about just sports betting touts he's just talking about when things are so far off market that people should recognize that what they're doing is wrong or it doesn't incorporate something that the market's incorporating. So you have to figure out why that is. Right. I'm going to push back a little bit though, because no model's perfect. And there are, and I, you know, I was, I've been criticized for Massey Peabody numbers um, for that reason in the past. And I'm like, I know but it's you have, market, but, you, but, but the, the difference is to be direct with the keys to be directionally correct. And you, ha- and, and right. And you need to know the limitations. You know, I, it's not like I produce a number that I would be willing to, but you bets. literally, you literally, when you make your bets regress to the market. Yes. Yes. So you literally are respecting the market and trying to incorporate it into your ultimate final output. Right. I think when I say, when I say, is, when I say the models number, then I think it's hard for, I think he gets on people. He wants them to publish something that is more, you know, a better prediction, I guess. But let's say if, if you're regressing to the market, your prediction is going to continually change as the, as the market does. And it becomes a little bit harder. I don't think he's saying that he wants people to pub. I think what he's saying is that if you're a scientist, right. And you have, you know, uh, you, you do something and you make a prediction, but you also have another source that can help validate that prediction. And if the two things are so far off, you should probably try to figure out why that is and feel comfortable with the reasoning that that might be. And I think that like a lot of the stuff that he, he'll make fun of like ESPN stuff all the time for being way off. 
And I think that we all feel like that's generally lazy, right? It's just like me making fun of you for having a lazy take on COVID. It's like, just don't be so lazy and actually like figure out why you're so far off market. Because if you really believe that you're that, that the market's that bad, then go and bet a bunch of money into this market and make a bunch of money to capture that edge. Okay. So wait, how, how, so back to, back to the hubris or lack of hubris. Right. Don't you think that they're, I mean, I know successful betters and successful people that are quite arrogant and quite, and, and, and still quite good at what they do. Well, so we talked about, we talked about some of the best betters we know, and you mentioned Haralabob, right? And I think all of us, we've talked about him on this podcast before. And, you know, he is, you know, if you spend any time with that guy, he is incredibly smart. He understands basketball probably better than any i you know we've all we've all talked to tons of like nba people whatnot i'd rather spend time talking to her about basketball than almost anyone because he just breaks down the game in a way and he's 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 very very smart um you would you consider him to have hubris how are we defining hubris here all right well let's just let's go back and talk about our qualities so he definitely falls into the determined whatnot i think we've heard stories about how determined he is um he do you think he has an ability to actually um you know uh self self aware i mean so i don't know i don't i've only met him once i don't know him as well as you do you're on a panel with him i think i should be asking you that um you know i've spent time with him he's he's a there's a there's like a world where you know you like people, some people just have so much confidence in themselves and their methods. And they're so, they're so good and so determined that they don't necessarily need to be. No, I think he's probably pretty self-aware. I think there's, there's places in the world where he, I think he has a very, he, he has a very high opinion of himself in the, in the, in the places that he should. And I think he has, um, is, is self-aware probably in the places that he should be also. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's an interesting, he's an interesting study. He's like a, to me, he's a fascinating guy. So it's interesting that you mentioned being self-aware in the areas you need to, because I, I, I one thing I find interesting is people like poker players, for example, have to trust their intuition, like your intuition, their intuition makes them a lot of money if they're good. And, but at the same time, a lot of poker players are not very good sports betters and, they still love betting on sports because I think they probably trust their intuition, not realizing that it isn't the same type of thing. Or maybe they do realize it's the same. But but this is like, like this is, this is, this is like at the core, right? This is like an argument that you and I have all the time. And this is really about so much, somewhat fundamental to your approach to sports betting where like, what did you think about during our um, COVID uh, podcast, live podcast, where you tried to give Jeffrey Yass um, COVID? What did you think about him when he talked about um, the idea of his uh, traders having to sort of override things with, you know, with, with like subjective decisions? So and of course there's, but, but Jeff, I have to override stuff in my model with subjective decisions sometimes but it's, it's subjective decisions about a known thing. It's saying, you know, is this player a hundred percent? Like how much should I downgrade? But normally, normally when you do something subjective in your models, that will normally cause you either to like not bet it 
Like you err, you don't try to use subjectiveness to your advantage. You basically try to use it to keep yourself from, from, you know, betting something you shouldn't. Yes. But at the same time, if there is something that I believe has value and the market doesn't believe it does or doesn't know about it, of course, I'm going to use that and bet it. But you're right. Generally, my approach is to, to you use need, to you need to be, plays rather you need than to have that subjective piece of information thoroughly vetted and tested before you're willing to deploy to put money against it. Yeah, you're. I mean, I, I'm I'm more conservative, probably. You're right. No, you absolutely are. I mean, if you compare you yourself to like a, you know, to like a Preston, right? And so Preston had that theory, um, and has been talking about it. Where after the All Star break, you always bet the first quarter unders, right? And, you know, he didn't have a ton of sample size to that, but he had, you know, a couple years of information and, and he kind of just bet it blindly and he didn't bet it enormous, but he bet it blindly. He trusted his intuition you know, on it. He trusted his intuition with, and, and, you know, did a little bit of, you know, work around it to validate it, but it certainly was not, you know, it was, it was along the lines of hydroxychloroquine can cure uh, COVID versus like actually, you know, looking at, real clinical trials or whatnot. So, but you know, I, I, mean, I will say, really- I will say for something like, for example, like prop betting, you have to do a lot. You have to rely on your intuition a lot more and you have to make decisions about stuff where you don't have enough data to really make an informed decision. You know, sure. projecting out a player's usage rate project, you know, is this coach going to, I mean, in the, in the, in the uh, Jeffrey Yass example, right. They're doing like in-game betting and basically they're having to like, just even that thing, like I, I still have, a, I still have trouble with that whole concept that we talked about on that podcast, where you know we're all saying like we always see value in our models when a big favorite is down big at halftime, and we always see value on the underdog, but it seems anecdotally like we lose a lot in those situations betting against the favorite, and it, you know we we the highlight of this was the Super Bowl where the models would have told you like to bet on the Niners and yet they didn't, the model did not have the chiefs with Patrick Mahomes at the helm as a, you know, as, as a, um, as the main data pointer as the main driver. Right. The argument there is that not all three point favorites are the same and not all three four point favorites, even with the same quality of offense and same quality of defense are the same. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. but, but, so what, how would you quantify that difference? Is the difference then that there's a higher variance around that three-point favorite and therefore, like, does the distribution look different? Like, what, I mean, like, to me, that's kind of BS to basically say that. Like, if not all three-point favorites are the same, then you should bet on the ones that aren't, you know, that are, that are good value. Like, it's sort of silly, right? Because, like, at some level, you're actually saying that the numbers say that that three-point favorite the three-point underdog in that case is the is the better value, right? The the team that's ahead. Well, I'll put it this way: I'll continue betting, and I still do think there probably there is some value there. And and I don't know if you've done any sort of um, assessment of of your model and how well it's done in those second half situations. Have you? I have not. In um, I have not. But but Jeff. You know, it's it's Mahomes now, but I remember back in like maybe 2011. Oh, so no, no. Then the question is, do you agree Manning, with do you agree with Yas or Rogers? not? I, I agree. There's things that we're. I, I agree that there's things that I'm not quantifying that do have an impact. Yes. Next year, think, same situation happens in the Super Bowl. You show value on the favorite. I uh, saw on the underdog. Did I, did I have value there? I don't even remember. 
No, I'm just asking you. Like, I, I, I think, I, I think we're we we we've said continually that when a favorite, like a decent sized favorite, is down at halftime, we almost always, all analytics people almost always see value on that on that. NFL, both NFL and college, because I think college is a little different there. Okay, but but yes, in the NFL, typically. My point is that you are you are not going to change what you do because of that. No, I'm not. You're and and Jeffrey Yass seemed to imply that if he were faced with the same situation, if he could go back in time in the Super Bowl, he absolutely would not have bet against the Chiefs. I mean, if you go back and listen to the podcast, that's exactly what he says. I know you hate to hear the sound of your own voice. I do. But you got to listen to our podcast occasionally, and that's what he said. No, I remember him saying that. But you didn't disagree with him because you don't like conflict. Well, I didn't want to give him any more COVID germs. (laughs) You were like, I think, two seats away from him, so it's fine, right? You were on the other side, or were you next to him? No, you instead. I I I had to look around you to see him. Yeah. Okay. So any other things that we want to talk about in terms of what makes a good better? So, but what do you, I mean, so that whole thing, I mean, that notion of, of people, some betters being good at gambling in one area and bad at another. I mean, what do you think of that? Are there different, I mean, are the skill sets for poker and sports betting that different? And I, I think it's a good, I think actually now I understand what you're saying. It's a, it's a good point. Um, and I think that the thing that made me a good blackjack player can sometimes make me a bad sports better. Meaning Why? like, well, because um, blackjack is so solved and blackjack is so by the book and blackjack is so clear what you should be doing. It's a hundred percent mechanical. And if you have to hundred percent believe in your model and you really don't ever need to reevaluate, you should, it's more just being, consistent and continuing to play and continue to play capital like you will eventually end up on top whereas sports betting is not that way and you know if you don't have a great model or your model is is no longer has an edge because of non-stationary non-stationarity like you know all these things would lead you to a point where you can't have the same amount of conviction in what you're doing in sports betting to what you're doing in blackjack. So that level of, you know, determination that I talked about or stubbornness would actually be a detriment in sports betting. That's really interesting. You say that because it, it sounds like blackjack is sort of the other end of the spectrum from poker in terms of, of how it informs your thinking. So you, you are much more mechanical. It, it, it biases you against someone like Jeffrey Ass's opinion. I, I would guess in that regard with the, the Patrick Mahomes example. Uh, where, whereas like, I would say a poker player is probably much more flexible and, and relies more on intuition rather than, uh, rather than some sort of system or some, right? Well, so I think it's like, there's like this continuum, right? That we're talking about. There's basically like poker on one end, there's blackjack on the other end, and then maybe sports betting fits in the middle. And I guess that's that's really the question, right? Does sports betting fit in the middle or is sports betting closer to blackjack or closer to poker? Sports betting is like Goldilocks. Huh? Well, it wasn't there the, like the too hot, too cold, just right. I don't know. That children's story. That wasn't Goldilocks. Right? What was that? I don't know. That was that was the three bears and Goldilocks. Three bears, my yeah. point is 
she wasn't the one that was just right. It was like it was, the bed that was just right. Like she okay. slept in, right? And that's like too big, know. too small, or the porridge that was too hot and too cold. I mean, you, you have, you, you, you know, you're the expert on this because you have kids. So I, yeah. I'll defer to you on that. But I, I do think, yes, I never actually thought of it this way, but I think sports betting is sort of in the middle there. And I think yeah. there's aspects of both that can help. And there's people that are successful at it that, that approach it from, from a more okay how about this would you would you rather right now you have a chance tomorrow to partner with someone and that there's two people that are going for an internship at rufus at fufus peabody um dot uh inc and where where did fufus come from by the way i think they just they must that wasn't you correctly yeah anyways i i sent rufus a gift certificate to one of our favorite restaurants in Boston, a restaurant called Blue Dragon that is run and owned by a friend of ours named Ming Tsai. And um, they spelled his name Fufus, F-U-F-U-S. Which is that was very generous of you, Jeff. And I'm going to be definitely ordering a lot of takeout from there. Fufus, Fufus. Um, anyway, so uh, back to uh, the the question. You have a chance. There's, there's an, two aspiring interns one is a ex-professional blackjack player one is an ex-professional poker player who do you hire you know i probably go with the Ooh, that's a good it's a good question i would say overall i would think the professional blackjack player is probably i'm more similar to that person so i'd be biased towards him Mm -hmm. but but looking at it another way the poker player could add things that i it, it I think you should hire the complimentary, right? It's more complimentary, but, yeah. but overall, but I think he would drive you crazy if it wasn't like to work with me. If it was to, if it was like, which one do I think is going to be the better sports better? I would, which one would you invest in? Which one I invest in? I'd, I'd be more likely to invest in the blackjack player. Probably. Yeah. That's it. That's I mean, a, and, and maybe I'm biased here because back in the day, like we had, we got a lot of accounts that poker players had had before and we were able to, and, and you know, they'd, they had, had lost heavily. And so we were able to keep those accounts for a long time um, despite winning. So, right. But this is like the, when Ted, Ted Knutson always says like everyone has leaks in their game, right? The poker players, their leaks were sports betting. Right. And it's because yeah. I think it's because they rely on their intuition and it makes them successful in one area, but that same, but it's not, you, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's different than intuition, right? Or it's more than intuition, right? It's being able to read people, right? Like, and, and, and you know, and like, they think they can read games in the same way, right? They without, think they can read a collective group of people, i.e. the market in the same way that they read people. And it's probably not true. Right. Right. Although also like poker players, some successful poker players could probably, I don't know. I, I guess like, I don't know enough about ultimately what makes a successful poker player successful over time to really speak to this as well as I know what makes a successful blackjack player successful over time. So what we haven't talked about here, which is totally gambling, despite what they say legally is DFS, which I think is a really interesting hybrid of sports betting and poker. It seems like there's a lot of poker players that are successful at DFS. um, But there's sports betters that are successful as well. And it's sort of a mix of, of game theory as well as analytics Jeff, have you ever have you ever played DFS? I haven't really, and and I just don't. I don't because know. It's making like what's happening right now with sports betting is very interesting to me, because, you know, there's not 
anything to bet on, right? And so, you know, you like sent me, you know, a text saying like, oh, do you have, you know, can you get down on X? Outlaw Tour. <laughs> yeah, Outlaw then- Tour. And our bearded friend is like, been sending me some like Taiwan basketball picks and things like, and I just don't like, I don't really have any desire to sweat this random crap. And it, it surprised me because I thought like, Oh, as if you took stuff away from me, I would still want to sweat something. Um, and so, I, you know, like golf or whatever. And I had like, certainly like the tiger Phil, you know, Brady, that whole thing. I, I'm going to want to watch that and bet on that for sure but these like niche things that like, I don't even know where I can find. Like I, I, I uh, bet on a horse race the other day and I had no idea where I could even find it online. Like I couldn't even figure out the results. So, but I just kind of wanted to bet on something because I was like, well, I should bet on something. And like, I bet on it and I won. I won That's I won. kind of how I felt. Like I was like, I was like, there's, I, I was able to scrape mini tour data for the outlaw tour. And I was like, okay, I can, I, I'm sure. How, I were, how did your outlaw picks do? So I, I bet three matchups and they went two and one and I invested 13,000 in DFS for round one and I lost 8,000 of it. <laughs> so um, you lost 8,000, meaning like you ended up with 5,000? Yes. So, but, uh, and then, and then the second round, the second round tea times were three hours early. So I like got up and I was like, I was going to put stuff in and, and then it turns out it already started. And then I was like, you know what? This probably isn't the best use of my time anyway. Because well, that's that's, <laughs> that's like, the big thing. It's not a good it's, use. Of it's that. just not, yeah. Anyway, and if you have that, I mean, that's the thing that like we, I think that you and I have talked about before with sports betting. It's like when you start losing your edge at all, like if your edge disappears at all, like from say whatever percent to whatever percent minus point one or whatever, all of a sudden now it becomes not worth your time, right? And so why 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 do you end up doing it? Like what do you do it? And then that becomes like the determination aspect like you just want to beat a game or beat a system because there is a certain aspect of that to sports betting that you know the idea of of beating it that that makes it fun i mean that's personally that is what draws me to sports betting it's not the it's not the gambling it's sort of the the challenge of beating something of of, it's like a puzzle yeah i think jeff i think we should i mean I think it'd be interesting to have uh, a DFS like expert on as a guest at some point to talk because I think Bales or Jennings on. I mean, that'd be great. I I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. We want to get them both on. We'll have one of them on next week. And I mean, I think essentially what we should start doing is, is rotating guests through. Um, And we're going to be working on probably some new formats for the podcast because I've been thinking a lot about how we want to do this going forward. Uh, but yeah, let's have one of those guys on next week. I mean, they're, they Action Network's got all sorts of crazy stuff going on right now. They've done a, a pretty good job creating interest around their Twitch channel and whatnot. I'm, I'm impressed with what they've done. The, the push-up challenge. I thought it was, that, that was a fantastic, authentic, uh, I don't even know what to call it. It, it, it was, it was he's authentic. A he's yeah. a monster. That was unbelievable. That was I, great. He's a monster. And like anyone that says his form was bad at the end, like it was not like he was, he was crushing it. I'm How many pushups that. do you think that you could do? So did you, did you see like Joey Kanish or whatever tried to do the, yeah. the pushups in 15 minutes? So I was curious to see how many pushups that I could do in 15 minutes. And you know, like I, I was, how many do you think I did? 150. Oh my God. Come on. I don't know. How many? I did 204. Hey, that's not that far off. It's not orders that's a of pretty big job. difference. Like you're it's saying that I can only do 10 a minute, 10 a minute. That's kind of sad. 
for 15 minutes. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you know, quickly you tire out. Is 150. So have you ever, uh, Jeff, have you ever done the thing where you do, you do one push up in the first minute, two push ups in the second minute, three push ups in the third minute until you can't do push ups anymore? No. How, how far, how, what do you, how far do you think you could go on that? I don't know. I mean, that just sounds silly, right? That just sounds boring. Well, no, I mean, it, it takes, the, well, it's, I mean, I, I think it's, I guess it's boring at the beginning because you do one push up. I mean, it doesn't really start, but, but until it's definitely going to be more than 50, it's definitely going to be more than 15 minutes. So you, you would think so, but, but you know, I, I only, I got my brother and I did it and we got to 15, but it, and you couldn't do, you couldn't do 16. I couldn't get 16 done in that next minute because you have the one minute to do it. And it's, I mean, because you think about your recovery time. No, it's, I, it's dwindling I each you, so I, further. So what you, you know. need to do is try to see how many pushups you can do in, in 15 minutes. Okay. Because like anyways. a lot less than I, a lot less than, than a month ago. I'll put it that way. I have not used this time. A lot, a lot less or a lot fewer. Fewer. Yeah. A lot there fewer pushups. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what's funny with this pandemic is like, I've realized all the ways this has been like the classic way that people use words completely incorrectly. How, how many times have you heard people like in the press use the word literally incorrectly? Oh, all the time. This is literally, you know, whatever our country or something like that. And it's like, this is literally killing our entire country. I just think Rob Lowe and, and Parks and Rec every time. There's like a bunch of other things too that people like fewer or less, like no one knows how to use that correctly. Like everyone's using that incorrectly all the time. Um, There's one other. Do you know, I have to think every time when I, when I write down um, advice or advise, I actually have to think about it. I didn't used to, I don't know why. And, and also the movie trading places, I have to think in my head, is it trading places or trading spaces? (laughs) I feel like everybody has, I mean, maybe I'm just the dumb one, but how many, how many actors from trading places can you name? Um, Eddie Murphy, Dan Aykroyd, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I don't know who the old guys were. <laughs> I think there those are the only three I can name. Yeah, there you go. Did you know what? Did you know that they mentioned Exeter in Trading Places? Yeah, it's the whole squash club, right? No, it's they basically no. say he's like the product. They talk oh. about Dan Aykroyd being the product of a good environment. Exeter, Harvard, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, um, any last things? I know you got to get to your happy hour. Oh, I, got, I got a little time. We can, we, we can hang out if you want, Jeff. Really? This, is, this has been a moderately cheerful hour. Moderately cheerful. You like it? That, like people now think maybe I like you? Maybe. Um, That's a nice we, hat. Jeff's wearing a nice Shadow Creek cap. Yeah, what should we leave people with? Like, I feel like it's interesting. So the takeaways here... Um, in terms of being a better art. Well, we didn't talk at all about like analytics. Like people are always interested in like building models and that kind of thing. Maybe we can talk about that next time. Like the idea of like, and maybe that can be the lens with the DFS thing. It's like, how do you start thinking about beating DFS and what are the analogies between that and sports betting? Um, I like that. That's a really good idea. And so yesterday I was on, I did this, um, this better IQ. Uh, they're doing a sports betting class during um, during COVID, um, Eric Waz, Waz, I don't even know how to say his last name, but I'm sure you've seen him on Twitter, but is he, this going to uh, be interesting because like yeah, I have, a, well, no, I, no, I got to talk I, about, I, I basically was talking about modeling and it actually was really, like was quite interesting about in, in approach. And, and 
I realized I actually had something that I could say that wasn't like, I don't know. I, I realized I actually have more to say about that than I thought. Um, but, but so, okay. So here's, here's a question for you. And this is, this is a little, this is a, I think a reasonably interesting question. And then we'll, we'll end on this. When you meet someone, okay. And they tell you their professional sports better or their sports better. What quality, how would you in less than a minute assess whether you would want to follow or fade this person? That's a really good question. Um, I feel like you have an answer ready, so I'm going to let you I go don't. First. I don't have an answer. I mean, I, mean, I would talk I to them I'm, about their process, I guess, right? Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's the obvious answer. I think the one telling thing, and I, I guess like it's different if you were like talking to these people and you're obviously trying to assess them. They're going to have their guard up, et cetera. But I, I, I think a lot about when I talk to someone and they talk about losing like their losses or they talk about something, I feel like that makes them feel like a real, much more of a real better to me than someone that doesn't. Right. I, li- I like them better as a person. You know? Yeah. Like if they have, you, you know, the people that always talk about they, they, their losses and it also means that they, that they're probably generally a plus EV better because they, you know, can isolate and talk about losses and not, you know, not be afraid or ashamed of them. Like they have enough confidence to believe that the losses are, are funny, right? They're not trying to sell you on something. I think if they're not trying to sell you on something, they're pro- it, my prior for them would be a, a better, better than if. The other thing were. too is like, I, I appreciate someone that like has gone, has had a, you know, like when I asked, asked Jeffrey Yass if he like sweats games and he was like, oh yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> when he did that, that made me like want to give him a big. When, when he said he sweats his kids games and his bet on those before, oh my God, that, that was, was great. That was fantastic. Good. Um, all right, guys, thanks for joining us uh, in this sort of what we we're trying to create some evergreen content that you could listen to anytime during this pandemic. Um, and we'll come back next week, maybe with uh, one of the one of the fantasy labs geniuses, uh, Bales or Jennings. So thank you guys and talk to you next week. Media coverage sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded.